You are listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so glad that you're here and that we're spending some time together, and I'm absolutely thrilled to share the work of my guest with you today. His name is Paul Selig. You probably already know who he is, but he's one of the foremost spiritual channels working today. He's able to access information from the guides, or teachers as he calls them, process it, and then share it with you, the listener, or share it with his students all over the world. Um, He does readings for people. He's written a number of books. His latest, Alchemy, is out now, and I couldn't imagine a better book for the times than Alchemy. It's all about transitioning from chaos to understanding and a greater meaning. And honestly, I think that that's what we're all here to do on Earth, is to come here, have this human experience, and then transcend to a higher place, a higher level, a higher vibration. And that's really what Paul works with the most is energy and understanding. And and there's a part towards the end where the guides have you repeat something back, a series of phrases, and it's just incredibly powerful. So when that part comes up, you know, get situated somewhere, really tune in, really do it, and, and notice the change that you feel after. Um, And I think you can't help but be transformed. So without further ado, please enjoy my episode with Paul Selig. Hey guys, before we dive into this episode, I want to let you know about show sponsor, Public Goods. If you join Public Goods, you get access to hundreds of healthy, sustainable goods at direct consumer prices. And the great thing about public goods is not only the sustainability factor, but the quality that you get. I've been obsessed with the shampoo since day one. I went back and ordered the flower, more shampoo, and actually more hand sanitizer as well. It's just the quality that you get from them is so good for the price. You're going to be completely amazed when you go on the website and you see how much a bag of cat kibble costs. Oh yeah, they have pet food too. We've worked out an exclusive deal just for the Motherhood Unstressed podcast listeners. Receive $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They are so confident that you will absolutely love their products and come back again and again that they are giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. You have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com forward slash unstressed or use code unstressed at checkout. That's P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S.com forward slash unstressed to receive $15 off your first order. Hello, Paul. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, so I'm just going to dive right in. I mean, to give our audience a little bit of background about you and your origin story, how Mm -hmm. did you come across your gift of clairvoyance and and grow it? Well, I wasn't looking for it, really. Um, I'd had psychic experiences when I was a child, um, a few of them that were big events to me, but nothing that would have had me walking around thinking of myself as somebody who had those abilities. Um, When I was 25, I hit a wall. I had a list of things that I thought I had to do in my life to make me okay. I got the whole list. I wasn't okay. I began to look for something more. And um, when I began to open up spiritually, the abilities started to show up. And then I had to sort of adjust to that each time that began to happen and it's continued over all these years i i had an experience when i was 25 um, of energy moving through my body Um, i'd gone up to the roof of the building i lived in on the night of this event people were calling the harmonic convergence i heard people were going to be waking up and i thought well if there is a god or something like a god you know and you ask to be woken up why would it want to say no And um, I was trying to teach myself to meditate and all this energy just started going 
you know, whoosh, whoosh out through the top of my head. So, and then I started seeing little lights. So that was the beginning of it. And then I began to feel energy and that was the second thing. And then I studied a form of um, energy healing to get a context for this stuff. And um, I found that when I had my hands on people, I could hear things for them. I was volunteering at a center um, in Manhattan that was providing services for people who were living with life-challenging illness. It was the height of the AIDS epidemic. It was something mm. that I could do. So when I began to get confirmation from what I, for what I was hearing, I began to trust it a bit more. And, um, and I started a little group that met in my apartment for about 18 years. And um, that's where the channeling began. I was a college teacher through all of this, really. I had been raised an atheist. So this was new territory for me. But yeah, now I close my eyes and my guides dictate books through me. I mean, it's the strangest thing. And they're now done publicly. So, you know, they're done in front of people, the books. Um, and now this is what I do. But it's nothing that I planned on and nothing that I thought would ever happen. It's yeah. just what happened anyway. Yeah, but it seems like there was always this still small voice inside of you guiding you to the rooftop, guiding you to ask to be awoken. What do you think that was? I, you know, I mean, you can say that's your soul or the God within, I suppose, you know, there's different ways to look at it. I happen to have been in a perfect storm. And I think that that's true for many people, you know, when we come to an awareness that, you know, maybe there's more, there must be more, can there be more? Um, I don't think of myself as being particularly special or illumined. You know, I know that I have this ability um, and it, it, it seems to serve other people well, and I'm still fascinated by it. Um, that voice, when I first heard it, um, which was when I was 25 and I was sort of told to get my act together, and that was shortly after I'd begun praying for the first time in my life, mm. um, I, I imagine that it must have taken a whole lot to get through my head. At that point, I mean, they must have been yelling at top volume <laughs> to break through my haze. But I listened. And, you know, every time that I've really listened to that voice, I've been led well. Um, and I, I think that that's true for most of us. The intuitive self, I don't think, ever misleads us um, yeah. because it's, it's the true self. It's the divine self, whatever you want to call it, you know, making itself known. When you were volunteering, you know, with the AIDS patients, with mm -hmm. people who were struggling and mm -hmm. they were confirming things you were saying, like, yes, this is true. Did you ever, did you ever become frightened that maybe this is too much? This is maybe I shouldn't be doing this. I need to live a normal life. I was frightened at times, but not, you know, I was on a spiritual path and I knew it, which was totally shocking to everybody that I knew. I was a year out of Yale. I'd been a hard drinking, you know playwright with Billy Idol blonde hair and you know it's not the last person you would expect to be doing what I was now doing um no the clairaudience um which was the hearing um that was not frightening to me because really what it felt like was a thought that was not my own was pushing to the forefront and pushing everything else aside it always had this other quality and I don't hear things that are frightening. My guides don't teach in fear. So everything that I would hear was always sort of direct and calm. It's, if you can imagine 
you know, how we always have this sort of inner dialogue sort of running with a little committee in our heads. And when the guides would come through, it was as if that was pierced and something just overrode that with, you know, intense knowing and calm. So there was no fear there. The concern for me when I was first opening up was what the hell is this and what Mm -hmm. is going on really and how do I know? And I've always questioned this. You know, I'm not one of these people who sits back and says, well, I'm a great channel and this is what it's like and this is what you should all believe. I -hmm. really have no investment in what anybody else thinks of this at this point. This is something that I do. I show up for Um, I don't know how it happens. You know, I've had to question all of it. I mean, you know, I met met with this woman once and she said, how do you know it's not just you doing all this? And I, you know, and I've always had to say, you know, I don't care how eloquent I might be. I don't think that I'm capable of sitting in a chair with my eyes closed and delivering now there's nine books, eight in print, the ninth was just finished, that require absolutely no editing. I mean, it's wow. it's wacky. And that's the rule with the books. We don't get to go back and change things. We don't get to go back and make it user-friendly. I'm having a debate right now because the, the transcript, the woman who, who's proofing the newest book, the guide said twice in the manuscript, paramount, when the, probably the word was tantamount, mm. because tantamount makes more sense. And that's like the one kind of slip of the tongue I may yeah. make with a sound-alike word. And if that gets changed, I think that would be the only word changed in the entire manuscript, you know, because I said it wrong, because the meaning of the word is clear. Or we'll leave it there and just footnote it or something. I have right. no idea. But but that's how it happens. And um you know, when it's been spooky, it's mostly because, in retrospect, I was buying into somebody else's drama around mm. the paranormal or, you know, what things are. What comes through me is loving and kind, and I'm grateful for that. And yeah. if it wasn't, I don't think I'd be listening to it. Absolutely. So do you do you view the guides as, you know, potentially ancestors or aliens or, you know, spiritual no. beings? What are they? They're teachers. I perceive them as teachers. I perceive them as, there's one that I've seen, you know, a few times in in meditation or hypnosis, which was surprising, you know, when I saw him, but he's consistent in how he shows up, who I'm deeply fond of. Um, But no, they're teachers. They've been around a long, long time. They say, this isn't the first time they've taught this stuff. This is what they've been doing. And this is their work here. And I, I believe it to be a collective. They use the term we when they speak. Rarely I. Once in a while, I'll get surprised. And somebody will say, I am so-and-so. And I'm like, whoa, what's this about? <laughs> but no, that's, that's my perception. It's not my great aunt Ida. You know, it's not <laughs> one of those folks. Um, you know, they're teachers. Okay. So talk to us about the process of when you do sit down to write these books that are channeled through you. Alchemy is your newest one. It's Mm -hmm. perfectly timed, I think, for the times right now. Talk to us about that process and then why you think alchemy was coming through at this moment in history. Well, you know, the guides are on top of it, that's for sure. I wouldn't have known that the times we sit in today were what they were referencing when they were dictating the book just over a year ago. But it's pretty clear. So the process is I sit in a chair, I close my eyes. If I'm doing these before 
people in a room, which was how the last number had been done in the newest book, which I just finished, was done with a group I convened online or in live stream seminars because there has to be an active listener mm. present for this. I can't just do it in a tape recorder in my room. There has to be a student present to take the teachings and to always. Um, I close my eyes. I do a little prayer protection that I like to work with. And then I'll hear one phrase repeated incessantly. And I'll keep hearing the one phrase until I give it voice. The moment I give it voice, everything else just tumbles out on top of it. And the dialogue or the, the monologue, the teaching will just continue until they say, stop that, please. And that's the end of the dictation. And, um, and all I'm doing is trying to keep up with the stream of information. I'm a little odd when I channel, I whisper the words, which is the transmission, and I repeat in a louder voice. And it's always just sort of this ongoing loop. So all I'm hearing are phrases, one after the next, one after the next. And then when those phrases are all strung together, they create a, a coherent lecture, coherent book. Um, I'm so busy trying to keep up that I'm often dropping the thread or the thrust of the whole teaching. It's not till I see the transcript that I see how coherent it really has been. Uh, do you ever just get exhausted? Like, I need a break, guides. Like, this is too much. Or you're not feeling good that day. Or Always. You know, almost always. I mean, no, I mean, I've learned. I, I've, I've finally come to this place where I say, okay, this is my job. And my job is to show up. And as long as I show up, the deal is that they're going to show up and this is going to happen. If I don't show up, it's not happening, at least through me. Um, and if they don't show up, I think I would never agree to do it again. You know, I'd be yeah. too frightened of, 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 of what that meant. It's physically taxing on me to do this. Um, it's a very physical experience. Um, I'm highly empathic. It's got its blessings and it's not always fun when you're, you're feeling things that you'd prefer you know, not to feel. So, I mean, there's a whole physical thing that happens. I'm told um, my eyes often turn a very bright blue when I'm channeling and I have dark hazel eyes. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not that. Um, you know, my, I'm, I'm, the, whole, the whole thing is just, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's just so out there. Um, but I learned early on that how I was feeling emotionally didn't necessarily impact the quality of the channeling. I remember once mm. having to channel the day I had to put my dog down and my dog was my, my dearest companion for years mm. and having to show up and channel and they brought through a beautiful lecture. And there are times when I've been angry with somebody or hurt by somebody and I show up and they deliver these beautiful things. Occasionally they'll reference what I'm going through you know, it'll it'll be it'll become opportunized as part of the teaching, and I will learn something from it. Um, but that's that's just sort of how it happens. Um, was that the whole question, or did I, did I miss the second half of it? Yeah. So why alchemy? Why now? Or a year ago when it was coming through? I mean, I reading just oh. the description and and parts of it. I'm just it's just so perfect for what what we're going yeah. through the chaos of the time. We'll wait till yeah. the next one because they're continuing it. So I was, um, I, you know, I have a, I had a contract. I knew there was a book due and I assumed it would be starting um, when I was channeling at the Esalen Institute in Big Sur, California. I was going to be there for 10 days. It's often a great opportunity for the guides to deliver a book when there's one audience every day. You know, the teachings can build, you know, I'm off, was often on the road doing a day here, a weekend there. 
And nothing happened for the first two days. I, went, the, the, I mean, they, they taught, but they, they said, this isn't a book. Mm-hmm. So I guess, I, well, I guess they're not going to do a book here. The third morning I woke up, um, I guess the third or the fourth morning I was there, and I got news of um, a friend who had taken his own life, a friend of mine from my academic years, um, who I was very, very fond of and had looked up to a great deal. And I was a wreck. And I showed up, you know, with, to my class within the hour for the morning lesson. And that's when they began the book. Mm. And the entire book was done with me being in a state of pretty much perpetual derailment. And I now think that that was a wonderful way to keep me out of the way, mm. to keep my questions off to the side. Um, but it was also the process that I was having to undergo as a student of the work. You know, the guides say, you know, what you damn damns your back and what you bless blesses you in return. And the teaching of alchemy in many ways is about moving from one level of vibration or consciousness to another. And you don't get to go on this journey, I understand, unless you become willing to attend to those aspects of ourselves, our fear, our judgment, our shame, whatever they may be, that we wish to hold because those things keep us bound to the lower, the guide say octave, the lower vibrational frequency. This episode is brought to you by the Homeschool Buyers Co-op. And what is that exactly? Well, it's the world's largest buyers club for homeschooling families. Founded in 2005, they're a family-owned and operated business dedicated to providing top quality curriculum at the lowest price possible. And the best news yet, it's completely free to join. But if you use my referral code MOTHERHOOD, you automatically get 5,000 points, which translates to cash to buy anything that you would like on the website. And basically, school districts get discounts. They have buying power, but rarely do homeschooling families have that kind of clout. And so by joining a co-op, you automatically get entered into that. You you are part of that community. Uh, Their website for you is homeschoolbuyersco-op.org. Again, use my referral code, check it out. You know, as someone who struggled with doing virtual learning last spring due to COVID, I have definitely been checking out some other options. And yes, that includes homeschooling. And so being a part of a co-op where you actually have buying power is essential if that's the route you want to go. So this becomes a process of, 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 of bringing forth these things and releasing them. That was what I went through during the book. I've never been through anything like it, truthfully, in any of the books channeled. I was having my own purge during this. And I actually assumed as a result of that, that the book wouldn't make any sense at all. And it wasn't until I saw the whole thing in manuscript form and I had to go back and proofread it, you know, not too long before publication that I went, oh my God, this is making perfect sense. It is of the time, but the guides are operating, they say, you know, beyond our idea of time. So it doesn't surprise me that what they were addressing then, which was to be published in August 2020, an extraordinary time, um, would make perfect sense for for that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And the longer that you do this work, you know, a lot of people say, if you're not honing your skills, if you're not getting better, you're actually getting worse. Do you feel like every year that goes by, you are actually up-leveling, expanding what you can read, what you can sense in the world and from the guides? Sometimes I 
I question myself there. I should be progressing more. The ability has certainly transformed since I've been doing it. Um, the whole process of dictation has changed. My comfortability with it, the fluidity with it, my all of the ways that I could really impede, most of those have been changed a lot mm. in the years. My psychic ability, um, which developed through this process, is different than it's ever been, and I expect will continue to be. The guides work with energy. You know, all of the books, the guides say, are energetic attunements that work directly on the reader. And I believe that because you can feel the energy when you're working with the groups, when they're done live, and all of that's translated into the text. It's always has been. So the real shifts have been for me in consciousness mm -hmm. and in my ability to sort of align to a higher level of tone or vibration. Um, and that's the gift of the teaching. I, I don't think that those things come without cost. I don't think we get to receive the new if we're deeply attached to the way things were, who we think we're supposed to be. We're at this incredible moment culturally right now where nothing's as we thought it should be. And um, that also potentially provides great opportunity, you know, for an individual or a collective to begin to re-see and, and hopefully move beyond some of the stuff that we've been stuck in. I think that's exactly what's happening right now. I think what mm -hmm. you just said is perfectly said because everyone yeah. is completely flipped upside down. You know, they're mm -hmm. losing their jobs. They're losing their identities. Uh -huh. Marriages mm -hmm. are coming together or falling apart. You yeah. know, it's just a complete reorganization of, of the collective. Yeah, it is. You know, the guides, you know, I lecture all the time online. And um, I was doing a class this last week. And the guide said something, something to the effect of, you know, you, you, know the, you think that the ship has been turned upside down, but in fact, it's being righted and you've mm. been upside down and you're, mm -hmm. you're really having to deal with that transition. So we've been underwater and we're going to be moving up. You know, we're going to be in the light, but that doesn't happen. I kept thinking, this is awful. This is like spiritual growth. It's the Poseidon adventure. You know, it turns <laughs> upside down. But mm -hmm. that was the metaphor they used. But they do say that there's great promise here. There's great opportunity. And I do believe that to be true. That's been my experience at this time. Yeah. And I feel very fortunate that it has been. When you said you had to give up a lot to go to the next vibration to raise, what kind of things were you talking about? Well, I mean, that's an ongoing process. You know, I was a, uh, uh, I mean, there's stuff, you know, I gave up alcohol, I gave up drugs, I gave up cigarettes, I've given up. Now I'm on sugar and let's hope that stays. <laughs> but I mean, there's that practical stuff, but I also had to let go of the idea of who I was supposed to be in the world and what that was supposed to look like, and what you all thought of me for doing this weird thing. You know, mm -hmm. I, um, you know I, I, as I said, you know, I was a college teacher, and um, I loved it. I did it for a quarter of a century, and I was very good at it. Um, when I first got a website, which I only got because people wanted to have readings or to talk with the guides that came through, this is before any books were published, um, and not very long before, maybe a year, but I had a website without my name on it or my photograph. I didn't want people to know who I was. You had to know somebody to book an appointment with me. And um, I was comfortable there, but I was hiding. Mm -hmm. And when the book started coming out, I had to sort of say, yeah, this is what's happening. And this is what I do. And this is one of the ways I show up in the world. 
Um, and it was challenging, not because I received so much terrible judgment from people, but because it forced me to have to accept, you know, who I thought I was and the investments that I have and had and may still, you know, encounter of how other people are supposed to see me. Um, so the changes have been deep. I don't get to do a lot of what I did. You know, I mean, the guides say what you judge, you fear and, you know, who you mm. judge, you're, you you bind yourselves to and all this stuff. And so there's a deep amount of work that comes with this, none of which is terribly convenient to how I want to live my life. But I know it's true. I mean, one of the things they teach again and again and again is that the action of fear is to claim more fear. And I've been a very frightened man in many ways in my life. And I'm not, I don't have the, uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't have the, the ability to act on that in the ways that I used to. You know, I'm sure I still do. And I'm still seeing how much of my life might be informed by fear. I think I'd say this is true for all of us, that we've been so indoctrinated in, in this that we don't even see it. You know, but yeah. they say, you know, we were born into a, into a pool that somebody peed in already. It's just what we're used to. You know, this is, <laughs> right. this is, where, this is where we show up. Thanks, Aunt Ida. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Mm. So, you know, that's uh, and that all that stuff gets to be moved. So I'm still moving through it. I'm doing a pretty good job these days, I will say, because I've become much, much more willing to let go of, you know, who I thought I was supposed to be. My guys used to say once in a while in a workshop, you know, you don't have to go home. You know, people would come to these weekends and say, you know, you don't have to go home. Know that you're choosing to go home. Because mm. people would say, how do I go back to the life I've lived after, <laughs> you know, all this? And they said, well, just know that you're choosing this. You're choosing to go home. And yes, the dishes are in the sink still that you left. And yes, you get to do them. But the who that shows up. And I always thought, well, that's a nice example. But I was in Costa Rica working when New York City shut down mm. due to COVID. And I actually have not gone home. You know, I'm oh. now on Maui. I never went home. It's the strangest thing. You know, my dog is finally getting, you know, shipped to me here. Oh. You know, this is, I know, I know. But, you know, who knew, you know, and talk about having to let go. I mean, this has been something. It's a pretty place to let go in. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. But none of this was expected. Yeah. And I feel like that scenario is happening to so many people all over the world. I agree. So obviously everyone listening has to go check out the book. Before we round out the interview, do the guides have anything? Should we ask them if they have anything in regards to this discussion for someone listening to this right now? Is anything coming through? Oh, gosh. I'm, I mean, I'm on my first cup of coffee. Today. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's, it's morning where I am. Um, but let me tune in and see if I can do this at all. We would like to say something. They're saying we would like to say something over here Everybody here needs to know one thing. You're choosing your life. You are choosing your life, your responsibility, and your responses to what you see and how you see yourselves. And how you see yourselves decides for you, decides for you what, you what your experience will be if you decide that you're unworthy. If you decide that you are unworthy, you create a life of unworthiness. You create a life of unworthiness if you, comfort, if you are in comfort with, life, with the life that you are living, that you are living, you are choosing that as well. You are choosing that as well. The identity you hold, the self that you think you are the self that you think you are seeks to be renown seeks to be renown we will offer this to you we will offer this to you if you would like it if you would like it if you wish yes so i'm saying are they going to attune everybody and they just said if you wish so the guides work with attunements they're quick and simple and i'll just say say this you can say this after if you wish i know who i am in truth i know what i am in truth 
I know how I serve in truth. I am free, free, free. I am free, I am free, I am free. When you claim those words. When you claim these words, they're saying you are claiming what is always true, the divine self as you, the divine self as you, expressed as you, expressed as you, an expression of you, and an expression as you, period. And they're saying period. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. So my last major question is, you know, what do you want your legacy to be in the world? When people think of Paul Selig. I don't think about that. I've never thought about that. You know, it used to be because when I was teaching college that my students would thrive and, and surpass me and, you know, do good things in the world. And I suppose that's still the case, although... I'm not really the teacher in this work. I'm the, I'm the radio that the teaching comes through. So um, I, I hope that my life has been and will continue to be lived in integrity. That's very important to me. Um, but what people think of me and what this life has been, that's finally not going to be any of my business. You know, I don't think it is for any of us. Whatever the thumbprint is that I leave when I leave, I hope is thought of kindly and I'll, I'll leave it at that. Mm, I think there's no question that that would happen, especially after all of the wonderful books you've put out and continue to. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So now for some rapid fire questions, just for you, not the guides. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alchemy is. Alchemy is the eighth book that my guides have delivered, but what it really is, is the transition of matter um, to its true spiritual nature. Mm, I'm grateful for Oh, the life that I'm living now. Especially when your dog shows up. (laughs) Yeah, I miss her. Mm -hmm. Um, And last one, what's something that you've learned in life that you wish someone would have told you earlier on? That it doesn't have to be so hard, you know, that we don't have to make it so hard, that things happen anyway, and you might as well go along for the ride. Mm, I love that. Okay, so for all of our listeners, where can they find the book, the previous books, and find you online as well? Well, my website is just my name, paulselig.com. Um, the books, you can get at any bookseller on Amazon, Barnes & Noble online. Um, they're linked on my website as well. Um, and I'm, you know, all over with my work these days online. So we used to be traveling all the time. Um, but you can find me and, you know, the channelings through the website. Excellent. Thank you so much, Paul. This is such a treat. Uh, uh, it was so great talking with you and the guides as well. Thanks for having me, Liz. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you love this episode, please share it out on your social media, Instagram stories, and tag us at Motherhood Unstressed so we can share it back out and keep the conversation going on these important topics. Also, make sure that you subscribe so that you never miss out on an interview with an amazing guest or our weekly guided meditations every Wednesday. This episode is sponsored by Motherhood Unstressed CBD. This is my line of organic USA-grown hemp that was specifically designed to help you, the listener, battle stress and anxiety naturally. And what CBD does is it helps your body's own endocannabinoid system function better. So you're sleeping better, you're experiencing less stress and anxiety, and you're able to get everything done with an overall feeling of 
security, of groundedness, of calm. So if you would like that in your life, head on over to motherhoodunstressed.com, click the shop tab, and use the code PODCAST to save.